I uh, told the uh, 9.30 crowd from the, from the voice of my favorite uh, theologian, Cindy Brady, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That was a good song. Ah, man, I tell you, I absolutely love that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you'll join me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, excuse me, chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is it. This is... Uh, this sermon has two parts. It's got this morning and then it's got tonight and 1 Corinthians is done. And you have been able to join, join me on this journey all the way through the exposition of this beautiful letter that's been written to the church at Corinth. Now we know the culture at Corinth and I hope that you've been able to make the association by seeing that first century church there at Corinth uh, was very similar to the 21st century today in regards to its culture there. Uh, that is, it was living in a very wicked culture, a very hedonistic culture, a very uh, uh, over-sexualized culture. That's much like what we're living in uh, today. And Paul had some requests of them. And remember, when Paul began this journey, uh, he said, I'm writing to you because... There's been some questions that have come out of Chloe's house concerning the church, and he dealt with that through the first seven chapters, uh, six and seven chapters. And then he began in chapter 7 all the way to chapter number 16, answering the questions that the church had. The church had wrote a letter to Paul and said, here's some questions that we have. And so Paul addressed those questions. Chapter 15 is what we call a parenthetical chapter. That is, before he answers the very last question that the church at Corinth had, he had something he wanted to say that he he noticed needed to be addressed and nobody had addressed it yet and we dealt with that over these past few weeks there in chapter 15 dealing with the resurrection and the bottom line is just simply this Jesus number one's alive he has the power over death hell and the grave and you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die just as sure as Jesus rose again you too are going to rise up as well and so we and we dealt with all that already and then so now Paul comes to chapter 16 and notice what he says. I, I love how he begins chapter 16, verse 1. He says, now. You see it there? He says, now. Concerning the collection for the saints. As I have given order to the churches at Galatia, even so do you, or do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your offering unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Paul, Paul's saying there in that passage, uh, very quickly, just parenthetically, because it's not in my notes today. He's just simply saying, uh, if the Lord gives me an opportunity to go, I don't want to be the one handling the money. He says, they could go with me. You appoint who you want to take the offering to the church of Jerusalem. I don't want to touch the money, he says. Uh, but they can go with me if the Lord sees fit that I go. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. When I was a child, I spent a lot of nights at my grandmother's house. And every morning that I woke at my grandmother's house... She was always in the kitchen cooking a couple of fried eggs and a pan of biscuits. And she would be listening, Richard, to WAAX. There's an AM station in Gadsden, Alabama, and that is where Paul Harvey would come on. 
And even as a child, I remember listening to Paul Harvey. How many of you have listened to Paul Harvey? Amen. Wonderful. It's a great cultural experience. I encourage anybody and everybody to go online and listen to some of Paul, Har Paul Harvey's commentaries. Paul Harvey would come on, and man, he had that real distinct, wonderful voice, and he'd say, stand by for news. And man, I, 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 as a child, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I could not wait to hear. There was one story in particular that he told that I found to be quite fascinating. The Butterball Turkey Company set up a hotline for Butterball turkeys, he said. And he said, you could pick up the phone, you could call and ask any question about a Butterball turkey. Well, one day a question came in, and that question went something like this. The person on the other end of the phone said, can I cook this turkey that I've had in my freezer for 25 years? And the person on the other phone said, could you ask the question one more time? She said, yeah, can I cook this turkey? I've had it in my freezer for 25 years. Is it still good? Can I cook the turkey? And the person on the other end from the turkey company, the Butterball Turkey Company, just simply said this, said, well, if the freezer was kept below zero for 25 years, there really shouldn't be anything wrong with the turkey. But after 25 years, that turkey may have lost its flavor. The flavor may have deteriorated. So I, I, if I were you, I'd say, no, I, I wouldn't cook that turkey. And the individual on the other end said, yeah, I said, no. That's kind of what I thought. said, well, I'll just give it to the church. <laughs> now, isn't that a lot of the way it happens sometimes? A lot of times we'll say, well, we'll just give God the leftovers. Could I just say this? God doesn't want your leftovers. In fact, God wants your first fruits. He wants the very best as to what you have. Now, I want to ask you another question this uh, morning. and th This isn't an embarrassing question. It, it's quite one of an encouraging question. My question to you today is, how many are sitting in this worship service this morning and you're 55 years of age or older? Would you just lift your hand? Just leave it up real high. I want everybody to look around. See, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, now you can put them down. I want to congratulate each one of you because... Of those that have raised their hand that are 55 and older, did you know, church, that 80 cents out of every dollar is given by those that are 55 and older? 80 cents of every dollar. I thank God for you. I praise God for your faithfulness. Listen to this statistic that comes from nonprofitsource.com. 20% of members give 80% of every dime that's contributed to the church. Did you hear what that... I mean, that same thing is true when it comes to ministry. Uh, we call it the 20-80 rule. 20% 20 of the people do 80% of the work. It's the same is true in giving. 20% of the members at Maysville Baptist Church give 80% of the money. How about this one? 30% of members give the other 20%, which means 50%. 50% in the church give zero. You have nothing at all. If you were to look at our church membership, how many folks we got on roll, how many people come, uh, you would quickly see that, my stars, if, if everybody participated in giving, and I'd venture to say if everybody participated in giving that was just faithful uh, in worship, if everybody would give, uh, we wouldn't have the debt already. It would already be paid off. 50% 
uh, give nothing at all. Here, how about this one? Here's, this shocked me when I read it, and I hope it shocked you too. One in every five churches have to borrow money just to keep the doors open. Isn't that heartbreaking? It's heartbreaking. I thank God it's not that way here. It is not that way at Maysville Baptist Church. And the reason why it's not is because you have bought into the very principle that Paul had talked about here. He gave this principle, and I'm going to be honest with you, that's all I know as far as New Testament giving is concerned. Uh, yes, I know about tithing. I know about that Old Testament principle. I think that is a great standard by which we all should achieve, that we all should get to the place. But I'm telling you, New Testament giving says, and we're going to look at it here today, and you've heard me talk about this for many, many years now, is we need to pray and say, God, what do you have me give? And then be obedient to that. And I'm telling you, just as God is my witness here, God has used you in a tremendous way because you're committed to faithfulness in giving. Now, I'm going to preach on giving today because it's here in the text. So don't be one of those folks walking out there, every time I go to church, I'm going to have preachers talking about giving money. I don't do that. I preach what's in front of me in the, in the Word of God. And here it is, so I'm going to give it to you. We're going to deal in that area. Now, one thing I want you to realize is when we talk about our purpose here at Maysville Baptist Church, we talk talk about uh, loving God, loving others, serving the world. And when Paul is talking to the church, that's the very first thing he wants to talk about. As a matter of fact, let, let's just look at it if we could. Take your Bibles and, took, and, and look with uh, me at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 1. Let's talk about this very first point. Number one, the purpose, the purpose of giving. I want you to notice the purpose of giving. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's talking to Paul. He's writing this down, and this is what he says. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order, that word order there means a command. The command comes from God. It's not coming from Paul. Paul is being received it through the Holy Spirit. He says, I've given order to the churches at Galatia and to you. So he says, all the churches in Galatia, the church there and the churches that make up and represent the church at, at uh, Corinth, look at what he says there in verse number 3. He says, and when I come, whosoever ye shall approve by your letters, them I will send to bring your offering unto Jerusalem. So here's the purpose. Don't miss this. The purpose was to collect funds to help support the church at Jerusalem. That was the purpose. Every church, when it comes to giving, must have a purpose. Our purpose here at Maysville Baptist Church is to love God, love others, and serve the world. Could we say that together? Our purpose here at Maysville is to love God, love others, serve the world. You're known for that testimony. And then the next question is just simply this. How do we do that? What does that look like? If we're going to love God, love others, and serve the world, then what does that mean for me personally? How can I receive that in such a capacity that I flesh that truth out every day right here at Maysville Baptist Church? This is how we say we do this. We do this by giving our time. We do this by giving our talent. And we do this by giving our treasure. That's how we fulfill the purpose here at Maysville Baptist Church. Time treasure and talent or time treasure and talent and so in thinking about that let's think about our purpose here just for a moment 
Our purpose is to love God, love others, serve the world. We're going to do that through our time. Thank God you've given the time today to come to worship. Some of you are still on vacation. Shame on you. You should be back by now. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're on vacation. But you're watching. That's why I'm grateful. You're watching by way of the uh, uh, internet. I got somebody stopped me just a couple of weeks ago. And they said, Pastor, just want you to know, we weren't there on Sunday morning. But we literally, we were watching the service on the beach. Had the iPad up. We were watching. Everybody was gathered. Can you see them underneath that little umbrella? The waves rolling in, watching their preacher preach, sweating. I mean, I, and they're out out there just oh man amen gives I, I just had this mental picture it was so funny but what a testimony to how much they love the purpose of the church and love their church that they would sit there at the beach and watch online so thank you thank you thank you for watching all over the world people are watching and love the purpose at Maysville Baptist Church thank you for giving your time number two what about our talent I know that we have the greatest staff here at Maysville Baptist Church. And if you've got a great staff, there's going to come alongside to a great church that helps. And I'm telling you what, you Sunday school teachers, you Awana workers, you leaders in our youth department, you are the best of the best. You give it, you're giving your talent to the Lord to do what it is you do. And not just in that area, but in a lot of different areas. The areas of helps, hospitality encouragement, love, concern, prayer. Man, you've got it all, and I'm grateful to the Lord for all that you do. I was actually at a Sunday school party on Friday night, uh, and, and I'm, I'm getting torn because there's so much going on. You want to see a frantic preacher, you wait till Christmas when there's all these different parties going on, and you want to go to each one of them. But unfortunately, I can't be at all of them. But I was, I was at one on Friday night while you were in... Uh, uh, Gumlog, uh, there uh, taking the senior adults to Gumlog, and so while they were there, I, I was over here and had the best time of that fellowship. And can I tell you, here's the results of that fellowship. Watch this now, because that Sunday school class reached out and loved God, loved others, and served the world at the 9:30 service when I gave the invitation. A guest that was visiting that class and visiting our church surrendered, came down, joined the church, and surrendered for baptism. Purpose. Having a purpose. Loving God, loving others, serving the world, and doing that with time, talent, and then number three, treasure. Now, might I say that we don't do it or time or talent or treasure. That's not what we do. We do it collectively together. Several uh, months ago, I got approached by a church member, and I was shaking hands, and they came up, shook my hands, and gave me the biggest hug. And they said, we want to thank you. And I said, well, you're welcome. Please tell me what I did, because I don't have a clue. And they said, you have challenged us to give as God has blessed. You didn't say give 10%. You just said pray, ask God what he wants you to give, and then start giving that. And they said, we started that a couple of years ago. And every year we pray and ask God what he'd have us to give. Today, we are over 10, giving over 10%. They said, when we started, the reason why we never gave a dime is because we thought you had to give 10%. Listen to your pastor this morning. 
I've never said you have to give 10%. What the Scripture says, and we're going to look at it here in just a few moments, is that you should give as God's given to you. And so I challenge you today, once again, to pray, ask God, God, what would you have me give? And then obey the Lord in your giving. I'm so grateful to God as He's moving amongst us and we're seeing Him do great, mighty, and wonderful things in Jesus' name. The purpose for the first century church there, the purpose of the church at Corinth in particular, was the collection for the saints there at Jerusalem. Paul wanted to meet their needs. And one of the reasons why he wanted to meet their needs is because of the circumstances. There were some specific circumstances there in Jerusalem that warranted and needed some funding. Those circumstances were threefold. Paul doesn't say it here in Corinth, but we see that in other books of the Bible that Paul wrote or Paul was involved in. For example, number one, in Romans chapter 15, you'll have to read it when you get home because I don't have time to go cross-reference this, but Romans 15 verses 26 and 27 tell us that the saints, that the church members of the church at Jerusalem were very poor. They were very poor people. They didn't have a lot of money at all. And they needed help. They needed financial help to keep the church moving. Number two, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, we find that the church at Jerusalem had a tremendous amount of persecution upon them. Paul, as we know, whose name was Saul before he got saved, he was one of the persecutors. Did you know the Bible says that he would literally go into the church? Can you imagine this? He would go into the church, grab Christians by the hair of the head, one in each hand, and the Bible says he would drag them out of the church by the hair of the head and put them in prison. Man, I'm grateful I live in the United States of America where I don't have to worry about that. But there's countries around the world that still have to worry about that. And Paul says they need a financial contribution to help the persecution that's there. And then number three, the third thing is there was a famine that was on the way. And it was already occurring by the time Paul wrote this letter. That's found in Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, where we find that the circumstances that were happening there in Jerusalem warranted they needed more funds. Now let me just say this. In regards to the 21st century, where we're at as Maysville Baptist Church, we have some circumstances going on here that say we need you to be faithful in your giving. In regards to your giving, like I said, we do it all together. We all give of our time. We all give of our talent. We all give of our treasure. But from this point forward in the sermon, I'm only dealing with the treasure aspect, okay? I'm dealing with your funds, with your, what God has blessed you with. And in regard to that, as a church as a whole, as Maysville Baptist Church as a whole, there are some circumstances here where we need to continue to give. One of them in particular, and the most important one, is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give so that the gospel can leave this place. That we can proclaim the gospel, and you can leave this place after the gospel has been proclaimed and have your spiritual batteries charged and ready and on fire and say, that preacher preached exactly what the Bible said, and now let's go out and let's do it in Jesus' name. Man, that excites me and thrills my heart to hear how you have ministered to others in your community, your neighbors, your co-workers, and seeing them come to know Jesus Christ. Thank God for your your financial support so that the preachers can get paid to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's one circumstance. Here's a second circumstance. 
when I came to you five years ago, almost five years ago, August 4th will be five, when I came to you, we were on, in $2.4 million worth of debt. And uh, that we nobody liked it. Nobody liked it. If you liked being in $2.4 million of debt, say amen right there. Uh, crickets. I mean, really, I didn't like it. Y'all didn't like it. I don't make this public, uh, but before I came to you, there was a church that was wanted to call me to be their pastor, and uh, they were in $7 million worth of debt. And I'm talking about, you know, a pastor with red flags. I was like, no, 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 no. And so $2.4 million, so how would you respond to that? God, can I just go to a church that maybe if you're calling me away, that, 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 that's not in debt? But the bottom line is just simply this. We were in debt. And what was the first thing your pastor did when he got here? He owned it. I said, this is my debt now. And because this is my debt, that means it's our debt. And since it's our debt, the Bible says that if you're in debt, then you are a servant to the lender. What does that mean? That just means just simply this. There are some things that we cannot do because we're in debt. If we weren't in debt, there were things that, other things that we, we can do. And so what did we do as a church collectively because of this circumstance? We said, all right, let's just obey the Bible. Let's just obey the Bible. I tell you what, the Bible says it's required of a steward to be found faithful. And if you'll be faithful and pray and ask God, if you'll ask the Lord, Lord, why do you have me give? He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and I promise he will meet every need that you have. Little did I know that you were chomping at the bit to receive a biblical principle. You took hold of that, and you to this day believe that. And in five years, you went from $2.4 million to today we're at $744,000 in debt. God is moving in your midst. He's using you in a great and mighty and powerful way. But let me just say this. Not only is he using you this, you look back through over these past five years. Did you know that you have contributed $350,000 every year for the past four years, almost now going on five years, to get the debt down to where it is? You absolutely blow my mind how you are continually being faithful to the Lord. Let me tell you something else that's amazing about Maysville Baptist Church and their faithfulness. Not only have you done that, you've done that on top of meeting the need of a $1.7 million uh, budget that we have just to run the ministry, just to make sure that ministry gets done and, and Sunday school materials are ordered and missionaries are supported. That's how much our budget is. And you get a report every week in that bulletin. And you'll notice there in that bulletin, in that report, we are over the budget. That is to say that we have given more than we thought we would be spending. And thanks be unto God because that has provided another opportunity for the debt to continue to go down and also to build more space because this is not the first year that you've grown at 6%. You've grown between 6 and 7% consistently over the past five years in Sunday school. And because of that, you have by, you're just by sheer being obedient to God, you have been able to put a building up right here that has education space for our children that's eventually going to get us in there to have a worship service, to have one Sunday school, one worship together, and have one church service where your preacher's not preaching three different... Three, I'm not pastoring three churches. I'm pastoring three churches right now. Whether you like it or not, I am. I'm pastoring the 830 uh, service or 815 service. I'm pastoring the 930, and I'm pastor of the 11 o'clock service. And I love every bit of it, but I'm just going to be honest. Every now and then, I want you all to hear the 
the same message at the same hour and get excited because when uh, the 9.30 amen crowd starts flaring up and then I'd like to have the 11 o'clock service flare up at the same time and wake up those 8.15 people and say, glory, he's alive. <laughs> it's Listen, God's moving on this hillside and he's using you to do it. Today, I hope that you'll take some time this evening, 5.30 to 6, the gym's going to be open. And then after church, the gym's going to be open. I want you to go in the gym tonight. I want you to do a prayer walk through that gym. And I want you to write your favorite passage of Scripture on a wall, on a floor, on a beam, wherever. And we're going to continue to pray over that building. There's already been so many people that have come to know the Lord over there. I can't wait till others come to know Jesus over there. And I can't wait to have the church in one service. So we do that every week? No. Just for planning purposes, here's what the plan is. We're going to do special days, occasions, like uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. We're going to plan those days first and see how that goes because there's a few kinks we've got to work out, and we're going to use those days to work out the kinks. And then once we get that thing... Uh, Operating and flowing real good. We'll see what we want to do. And then when we hit 500,000, when our debt hits 500,000, and we're really already at 744, so be ready, church. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. I'm going to have to assemble a team from in our church from the 815, 930, and 11 o'clock hour. I need you to do some research and see what our needs are right now as far as where we need to be, where we're going to be, and we need to make a decision as a church. What do we do next? What do we do next? I promise you this. Whatever we choose to do, whatever we choose to do, God's going to provide everything that we need. Everything. And we know this because we're watching him make provision out there. 100% of what you're going to see today out there, 100% has been paid for. You don't owe a dime on any of that education space out there. And when uh, we finally get everything buttoned up, you won't owe a dime. Because we're not borrowing anything over there. You're just doing it by your faithfulness. I had a phone call just last week, and it came in and said, Pastor, God has blessed us. Uh, we had a little business transaction, and we want to tithe. And we want to give to that gym over there because this is just something extra that came in that we weren't expecting. I said, Thank you so very much. That helps tremendously. God bless you for helping us make room for one more. Uh, we've had, even today, after this message, we've had others in our congregation to say we want to be a part of what God's doing here. And we just want to make sure that we're doing what God told us. And he told us to write a check today and take care of this. Man, I'm telling you, God is moving. And the most important thing he's moving in is not the finances, but he's moving in the faithfulness. And when he moves in faithfulness, the gospel goes out. People get saved. People get baptized. People join the church. Folks surrender for ministry. God moves in a mighty way. There's got to be a purpose in giving. Number two, watch this very quickly as we go fast. Here's the second thing. The second thing Paul gives us here in the text is the participation of giving. The participation of giving. We see who the participants are. Did you see what the Bible says in verse 1? He says, the church is at Galatia. And then he says, and also you, you at Corinth. The church at Corinth. And any other church that might be branched off of Corinth that belonged to Christ. He says there's this cooperation that's going to occur 
between the churches in Galatia and also the Corinthian church. Now, I want you to follow me on this. Let me bring it back to the 21st century. When it comes to our stewardship, we all have to cooperate. All of us have to cooperate. We cooperate together. As a matter of fact, as Southern Baptists, and I thank God I'm a Southern Baptist. As a Southern Baptist, we cooperate with the Southern Baptist Convention. We also cooperate and are in good fellowship with the Sarepta Baptist Association. These are two organizations that do not govern our church. Jesus governs our church. But we cooperate with these organizations. Why? For the propagation of the gospel. We cooperate so that we can reach our arms all the way around. Did you know that Southern Baptist, through its cooperative program, has the greatest, the greatest missionary emphasis on the planet? Do you realize that at any given moment, if any economic or cultural collapse happens on the foreign field, our missionaries can be out just like that? Why? Because we cooperate together. We cooperate as Southern Baptist churches to make sure that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth and we're able to help get those missionaries out of harm's way if that ever occurs. Now, some do stay behind because they're committed to that. And to God be the glory, I'm grateful. But I'm grateful to be a part of an organization that we cooperate with that helps take care of their own. Same thing with Sarepta Baptist Association. Dr. Lex Bowens, our associational missionary, he does an awesome job, outstanding, working with our partnership with Pittsburgh. And more things are coming down the pike. I am very, very excited that Dennis McCall is helping me and has assembled a team to help move forward in our mission emphasis with our Sarepta Baptist Association, our cooperative program giving. And I cannot wait to unveil unto you this coming year's budget as we move from a position of eight percent in our missions giving to 10. I am excited as to what God's doing in your cooperation. In our cooperating together, we participate in reaching the world with a gospel of Jesus Christ. Number three, here's the third and final point, and I'm out of time. Paul, last of all, talks about the principles of giving. The principles of giving. Here's the uh, it's no secret, but here's the biblical principle that we operate from here at Maysville Baptist Church. We see that when Paul writes, he gives the answers to all the essential questions. The when, who, how, how much. He gives the answer to all of that. Let me show them to you very quickly. And then I'm going to come back this evening and close out this book. Number one, the first question he answers is the when question. Notice what the scripture says in verse 2. Upon the first day of the week. This is the when question as to when we give. You and I, as New Testament, born-again children of God, give on the first day of the week. They say, well, pastor, is it wrong to give once a month? No. Is it wrong to give once a quarter? No. Is it wrong to give once a year? No, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. I'm just telling you. The Bible says, though, here in the text, that you give on the first day of the week. So I don't get paid until uh, later. Hold on to that. Hold on. Don't be so upset. Look at what the Scripture says. He's speaking here, if you would, of prearrangement. He's just saying that you need to prearrange your giving. And we give on the first day of the week, Acts chapter 20. In our culture, in the United States, the first day of the week is Sunday. So we worship and we give on the first day of the week. This morning I got up, I went to my uh, computer, I opened my Bible first, read my Bible, prayed, pulled up the church's website, went online, 
and gave. I'm so grateful that you can give online. Did you know that 60% of the people at Maysville Baptist Church, 60% give online? Thank you for that. Some of you have set that up, and it's recurring, and it gives all the time. I am so thankful for you because you can use the other opportunities to give as offerings. You give as an offering, and I'm grateful for that. Paul says that it just needs to be prearranged. Number two, question number two. He answers, who should give? Look at what the Bible says. He says, upon the first day of the week, let each one of you stop right there. Who? Each one. Do the rich give? Yes. Do the median income people give? Yes. Do the poor give? Yes. Each one gives. Each one gives. Everybody should give. It should not be, well, you know what? I, I can't afford to give. No, don't look at it like that. That's the wrong way to look at it. You must look at giving in the way of obedience. And your pastor has challenged you from that obedience from the perspective of not necessarily 10%, but saying, look, give as God has given to you. We're going to see that here in just a few moments. So if God's blessed you, then you ought to give. You got a job, you ought to give. And whatever comes in, you should give back to the Lord. Paul is speaking here of being personal. Everybody gives. Everybody. And then look what he says. He gives us how. How do you do that? He tells us here in the Word of God, he says, Let each one of you lay by him in store. I would underline that because that word in store means to save. As a matter of fact, in store, when you look at uh, how it's translated, it's a fascinating phrase. It carries the idea of this. Each one of you by himself set aside and save up something to give on Sunday. Make plans, make preparation, he says. He says, be prepared. So our giving should be prepared. Our giving should be personal. Our giving should be prearranged. And then look what he does. He even gives the how much. Did you see it there in the text? He tells us how much. What is it? Look at what the scripture says. As as God hath prospered him. That word prospered there means as God has given to you, give back to him. So what do I give back to him? Again, you give first fruits. What is the gross, not the net? What's the grand total? Give. That's what you give. Give that. So how much do I give as God's blessed you? You'll notice that Paul doesn't put a percentage on it. I think 10% is a great place to start. But did you know that money is the only area in which God said, test me and try me and see if I won't be faithful to you, lift up the windows of heaven and push out a blessing on you that you can't even imagine? Did you realize that's the only area God said challenge him in and that's giving? We should all be challenged to give. A pastor was uh, preaching a message uh, on giving, and at the end of it, he had a gentleman come up to him and say, and say, Pastor, I really would like to do it. I just can't afford it. I just really cannot afford to give. And the pastor said this, I tell you what. He said, if, why don't you write a check right now today what God wants you to give, and at the end of the week, whatever you're lacking, whatever you're lacking, I'll make it up. I'll make it up. And uh, the guy said, well, I just, I don't, I don't know, preacher, I, you're on fixed income too. I just don't understand. He said, look, I promise you, I will personally make it up if God doesn't meet your needs. And the man said, okay, I'll try it. And he wrote a check and he handed it to the preacher. 
And the preacher's countenance was very disheartened. And the man said, aren't you happy that I gave you the check? He said, no, I'm not. He said, why? He said, because I don't understand how you would trust me, your pastor, who has so little to meet your financial needs if you fall short when we got a God that said he'd meet all your needs. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. If you really trust God to meet all your needs, you can trust him with your pocketbook. You can trust him. He will take care of his children. He says how much as he has prospered. That's proportionate. He says it's proportional. It's not all the same with everybody. Did you know that the Muslims are required to give 2.3%? Did you know the average Protestant, the average Protestant only gives 2.5? Here's what bothers me about that. We serve a living Savior. Surely we could do better. Surely we could do better than that. And then watch this. He gives the why. Let me, let me wrap this up. Why? He says, so that when I come, no collection will be made. That's the reason why. Now, let me tell you what Paul means. I've already explained it once. He's, he's simply saying, I don't want to have to come and you be shocked that I'm wanting this offering. I don't want you to be shocked about that. I don't want you to be scrounging around and say, man, I'm not ready for that. What's he talking about? He's talking about being private. He wants it to be private. This is a private matter between you and God. He says, you need to take care of it. You need to watch out for it. Make sure that this is exactly, exactly what God wants you to give. Uh, In regards to this uh, uh, statement or, or this message, Billy Graham said this. Listen to what Billy Graham said. He said, the greatest blessing of giving is not the financial side of the ledger, but the spiritual side. It gives a sense of being honest with God. I want to ask you a question this morning in thinking about this. Have you been honest with God? What Paul was telling the church at Corinth, he says, I want you to be honest with God, church. Are you honest with God? And Paul just simply says this. He says, church, I want you to assemble a group. Or tell me the names. That's what he says. Tell me the names of the people you want to take the offering. And uh, he says, I'll I'll send them to you. I'll send these individuals to you. And he says, if I can, I'll go with them. But I'm not taking the money myself because it's not my job. I I don't want to touch the money. And I'm the same way. I don't want to touch the money. I'm be like Paul. But the bottom line is simply this. If they're going to be committed to give, then they got to be committed to being faithful to God. If we're going to be committed to being faithful to God, we got to make sure that we understand our purpose. What's our purpose? Loving God, loving others, serving the world. How do we flesh that truth out as a congregation? We give our time, we give our talent, and we give our treasure. And in doing so, in doing that, and doing all three together, we watch the gospel go all around. Now, can I ask you this? Are you being honest with God when you say, I give my time, I give my talent, and I give my treasure? Are you being honest with Him? If you're not, would you, look, this is not a con- condemnation. Would you accept the challenge that your pastor set for you? And would you say, I'm going to take that challenge. I'm going to give. 
I'm going to give. I'm going to ask God what he'd have. It might be, look, it might be 1%. It might be 2%. For some of you, it might be 13%. Did you know there's on record that some of the individuals, folks like J.C. Penney, those that uh, had those uh, corporations, organizations, it wasn't unusual for them to, to give back to their home church somewhere in the area of 90%. You know how they do that? Here's how they do it, Lee. I'm telling you, this is the truth. They answered the question, how much is enough? That's it. We don't want to wrestle with that. How much is enough? How much money is enough and then blessing others in relationship to the Lord. I want to challenge you today. Answer the question, how much is enough? Look and see if you're being honest with God. Are you giving your time, treasure, and talent? All three. Not or. Not or. Not I want, I, yeah, I'm giving my time. And yeah, I'm giving my talent. But I can't afford to get that out of your vocabulary. Get it out of there. No. Give. God, what would you have me give? And then give. Then here's the last part. This is the most important. Are you being honest with God when you say, I know I'm going to heaven when I die? Are you being honest with God? Are you being honest with yourself? So how do I know? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible says to know that you have eternal life is to know that you believe in your heart, not in your head, in your heart. You know that Jesus is the Messiah. And when he died on the cross, he took your sins and placed them upon himself. He suffered and died in your place. He died for you. And on the third day, he rose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, so we might have eternal life in Jesus Christ. March 22nd, 1988, to God be the glory, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I went down on my knees, a lost sinner going to hell, and I stood up, born again, thanking God that I've been saved. I'm so saved I could swing over hell on a dry corn stalk. I'm telling you what, Jesus is the only one that can save. Let's bow for prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you've never been saved. You've never trusted Jesus. Dear friend, today's the day of your salvation. Today said, to, the Bible says today is the day you need to get saved. Quit putting it off. Quit hesitating. Quit uh, mulling it over. Quit pushing it back. Get it settled today. Sir, stop wrestling with the Lord. Ma'am, Quit running from Jesus. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I don't care if you're on the beach or sitting in the bench. The bottom line is today you can be saved if you will trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and come to Jesus by the cross on which he died. You say, well, how will I do that, preacher? Right where you're sitting, listen to me. The Bible says... If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in order to be saved, sir, you've got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Would you say this to Jesus this morning? Say it to the Lord. Say, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. This morning I ask you to save my soul. I repent of my sin and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.